Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Cochino, Tom Lawler, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that puts the lotion on its own skin, Lucha World. Bitchin'. of wisdom from the one, the only, filthy Tom Lawler. Welcome to episode number 78 of Lucha World. Lucha World, luchaworld.com. Go check it out. All your clothing and intellectual needs can be found there by uh, clicking the thumbnail for Design by Humans, the most awesome t-shirts you will ever find. Also check out amazon.com through Lucha World. And check out the Lucha World Patreon page at patreon.com slash lucha world, where you can make donations of one, three, five dollars a month. A month. Can you do more than that? No, I just left it at that. Damn. <laughs> I always look at I, I look at other people's patrons and I see that they have like a hundred dollar and it's like nobody has, nobody does that. I think Fredo Fredo is Fredo is much more humble than yeah, I. Yeah, like I think there's there's one that has like twenty five bucks and like one person donates twenty five bucks a month, but it's like come on, really? It's, exactly. Yeah, it's wrestling. It's not. You can also go to Podbean and uh, Podbean dot com and. Of course, Lucha World there too, and that's two ninety nine a month, right? Two ninety five. Two ninety five for the oh, Lucha Classic podcast. <laughs> uh, the Lucha Classic podcast, and whatever other podcast we add to it, which I think we might, because I think Dan has kind of agreed to return to do Slam and Stand. Yes, we have not done Slam and Stand in several years, and we're yeah. planning a reunion. Yeah, I'm still uploading the the older episodes so a lot of fun stuff to look forward to uh, and by the way this is vandal drummond and i am with frito the engineer the master behind lucha world and we just came back from a road trip with dan and mary lou Farron. cauliflower alley club 2017 las vegas yeah did you have fun I had a blast. It was one of the most enjoyable cauliflower alleys. Have you recovered from all that partying we did and all those crazy nights oh of never sleeping? Oh my god, yes. <clears throat> I, Kurt, have... I mean, Kurt wouldn't sleep until like 4 or 5 in the morning. That's how crazy he was. That's right. Those and... books were really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> they and, kept you up late. <laughs> and it, it is true. I, I you know, Oh my god, I, I went out of hand. I had three beers over <laughs> the three days we were there. Three I think I only had two. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that, I think that's the only time I've been to Cauliflower where I haven't done any drinking. Yeah, yeah, you didn't, I didn't even plan it either yeah. way; it just worked out that way. You didn't have to drive because we were just we just walked across the street. That was wonderful. The we Rio. stayed, yeah, we stayed at the Rio, which was great. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know Cauliflower Alley will probably be upset at us for saying this, but if you go to Cauliflower next year, uh, it, if you can afford it, if you yeah. can afford it, uh, it's held at the Gold Coast, and you can get affordable rooms at the Gold Coast, but you can also get some pretty affordable rooms at the Rio across the street. Yeah. I thought they were much nicer. <laughs> Our door closed this time. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Stroke up, folks. Yeah. Uh, we left, and then I came back to our room to find that the door was ajar. First thing I did was scramble through all our stuff. Amazingly, everything was there. <laughs> Nothing was out of place. 
I think it was the clean, um, the lady that cleaned. It, it must because remember we talked to her that day. Yes, that was the day we talked to her. That's right. Maybe she was going to steal your um, Lucha Libre books <laughs> or your wrestling books. <laughs> your wrestling books. Your uh, what was it? The Pig Farmer book was that one of the ones you picked I up? I know Pig Farmer. Uh, what other books did I bring? The one that that guy talked you into buying because he wanted a Pepper picture. Pepper Martin. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, it was an easy, I was an easy mark for it. Yeah, Pepper Martin was selling his wares. And I wasn't going to buy his book, but I, uh, I, he had a great photo of the appearance he did in Superman 2, where he's getting his clock cleaned by Superman. Was he the... Who was he in He that? was the diner who... Remember the part where Superman loses his powers and is a mere mortal? Uh-huh. And he goes into a diner, and he gets into an argument with somebody, and the guy beats him up. Oh, no. I, then, I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, so. then, then he gets back his powers towards again. He goes back to the diner. And beats him up. Beats him up. So, yeah, it, it's really great. Oh, wait, what a what a great example <clears throat> Superman is. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, Turn well, the actually, other cheek. Come on, yeah. Superman. Well, I, well I, I, think, I think they did it wisely. They had the guy berating other people in, oh, in okay. the pub. Yeah, so they I made him say, a really bad man. A bully. So, yeah, Martin's, uh, Pepper Martin's 8x10, you see him, like, laying across the table with his clock cleaned. And it says, uh, like, I beat up Superman, but payback's a bitch. Yeah. And so I said, I have to get that photo. You know, the photo was, I don't know, five bucks. Yeah, So, uh, but he ended up but spending he said, 20 I give you a deal bucks. for 20 <laughs> I'll give you the book. The book was $20. So yeah, you're I, like, I didn't really want the book. I, I didn't really want the book, but he's Pepper Martin. Yeah. And he's, uh, everybody I know who's hung with Pepper Martin says, you could meet a nicer guy. So, yeah, I was an easy mark. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think... I the one thing I kind of wish there were a little bit more like a variety of wrestlers and t- and just people there. I kind of I kind of think it's like this really old group of wrestlers, and then there's yeah. like all these independent wrestlers that aren't even like big names. Just I mean the the biggest name indie guy was probably Willie Mack. I mean, of the yeah, guys there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't Mack, to Sabu, but Sabu I don't consider. Her. Sabu's really the only guy from the '90s that was there. I I think that's true. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, the glow girls were there. Well, it's one of those things where, you know, Cauliflower Alley is wonderful, but I think one of the weaknesses is it originally was like a gathering place for wrestlers. Yeah. The fact is, Dave Meltzer, when he accepted his award, talked about how it was a very exclusive club in the 80s. And yeah, now I get it, can get in, and I'm Mexican. I, yeah, no, I, I can get in, and I wear T-shirts. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it used to be you had to wear... A suit and tie. All, all the oh, time? Every time. Oh, wow. Yes, it was. And so it gradually turned into what it is now. So it's somewhere in between a reunion for wrestlers and a fan convention, but it's not quite either. So it's not, I, I kind of view it as it's not a fan convention. It's more of like the smart fans. Yes. Because I mean, a lot of the fan, I don't. you don't see, although you did have Malcolm there. So I mean. Yeah, and yeah, we never yeah. seen him so yeah, soft Yeah, he was very calm. I, I don't know if he goes to other conventions. I know he goes to the he went to Wrestle Reunion and other stuff. And I think other people mentioned he's gone to other stuff. Like oh yeah, yeah. He, other conventions and stuff like that. It's this crazy fan that <laughs> like will dress up as like wrestlers and he, when he when he sees a wrestler start screaming like I know when Conan saw him he started yelling, <laughs> "Viva la raza, arriba la raza!" And, and remember yeah. Conan just had the smile like Conan was, was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> yeah, but in a way where he's saying like uh, like he wanted to figure yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's very curious about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, but then it's like here he was very calm. Like he did, he was like the one like that would clap the loudest and stuff like that. But, but he it, didn't shout. He like, didn't shout or anything. I guess he was like he was. They told him to be be a little more calmer. Around these, yeah, I guess he promised Carl Lauer that he would uh, rein himself in a bit, which he did. Yeah, so I gotta say, yeah. Although I did like the, <laughs> I did like the old Malcolm. What was it, night one or night two, when we got to hang out with um, B. Brian Blair? That was pretty. That was the first night. Yeah, that Monday. was awesome. What yeah. a nice guy. Really nice guy. I mean, I would have never thought I'd be hanging around with B. Brian Blair, the Killer Bees, <laughs> at a bar. <laughs> he's so approachable. Yeah, I and mean, he's really friendly. Like even afterwards, like he would go over and say, "How are you guys doing?" and if he saw you, he'd go like, "Hey, how are you doing?" Well, and that's something hi. Cauliflower Alley, I think, needs is a goodwill ambassador yeah. like that. And he and he did it with everybody. I mean, yeah, across yeah. the board, he's making sure yeah. they have fun. I mean, we got to see Roy Lucier. Uh, yes, a couple of rapid Roy. You were you were pretty much hounded by a bunch of people. I mean, a lot of not just fans but wrestlers that listen to the six hundred five. I was very podcast. tickled. We we uh, met Rosh Brown. Yeah. 
who was a really nice guy. A who, who people were asking who asking me who he was, and I said, I don't know. His name is it says Skull Crusher on his tattoo. <laughs> it's got to be Skull Crusher. So we looked him up, and yeah, uh, he he's a really neat guy. Both he and his wife, yeah, really really friendly. Really friendly. And uh, I don't remember his last name, but uh, Tristan. Uh, uh, I think that was the first person who approached me in yeah. 605. Several Lucha World fans came, you know, came up to us, which yeah. was nice. And, uh, yeah, met a lot of really fun people. And, Roy, it was great seeing you again. Yeah. First time I had seen Roy Lucier in 20 years. Uh, first time I saw Bobby Bradley in almost 20 years. Yeah, he didn't even look like Bobby. I, I was like, who is this him. guy? Yeah, and he was like this short, chubby guy. And it's like, oh, it's Bobby Bradley. Wow. Yeah, I was... I figured it was because he was with Sabu also, so I kind of... Because I think they were like a team at one point, weren't they or something? Yeah, I know they worked They wrestled at some that, point. He got most, I'd say he got most of his constant, uh, consistent American work in the with, 90s when the whole Sabu, Sabu yeah. phenomenon was going on. Yeah, so that was that was fun. Then I think the second night what was the Bologna blowout. Yes. And that was... I that was they had the glow girls talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they went know, on and on and no, on. No, exactly. I know... It, if it was about half as long, it would have been okay, but they spent the whole You disappeared night. during that, so you didn't really watch that. <laughs> I, ducked out, I ducked out around the 40-minute mark, I yeah. think. And, uh, I, they, they all, oh, they, uh, Kahangas or something like that, and then some other person they introduced, and it was the Glow Girls. Yes. For like 30 minutes. They basically had like 30 girl Girls there, or 20 girl, 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 girl Glow Girls, and each one of them took a turn talking for like three or four minutes. Exactly. Which is fine, but it adds up after it adds those up 20 after a while. And I mean, I mean, I'd say the first 10, 15 minutes talking about their, you know, how tight they are with each other and stuff like that is, you know, that was really cool. I, you know, kind of moving legacy, but then it dragged on. It was, it was a little contrived, in my yeah. opinion, too. Uh, I, I know I stepped out for a bit, and oh, that's where when I stepped out, that's where I met Rock Rims, local historian, yeah. great historian, and. Uh, Saw Steve Ogilvie from Australia. Yeah, because you posted that picture of um, your shoes. Of our shoes. We, no, that was the following day. That was, that was the following, the following day. day. But yeah. we, but yeah, that next night we both had very styling shoes. Yeah, but it was. So oh god, I, that makes me have to sing. Yeah, the Wednesday. My new purple shoes are amazing. The people next door. Okay. The Wednesday was the, the banquet. banquet. And we got to see Dave Meltzer, Brian Alvarez. That was a we. Blast. I mean, we didn't. I didn't expect Brian to be there because um. I don't. I think the last show I heard was like on a Friday or something, mm-hmm. and I don't think he had made the comment that he was going to go. Although he did say, he did tell me, "Well, of course I was going to go." They're honoring Dave, so yes. like, yeah, that makes sense. But um, Dan was the one that was telling us that he was going to be there, and so that was good to see them. And um, we got to meet Tom Lawler, Filthy Tom Lawler. What a fun guy! Yeah, really. really <laughs> I mean. I didn't know who he was. You and Dan might probably knew him better than I did because I don't really listen to their that podcast as just, much. Just a little bit because this last year, you know, I have less time to listen to podcasts, so I yeah. I don't catch all of the Observer podcasts. Like yeah, they do so many. Also, they have the Observer, yes, the yes. Figure Four um, yeah. Daily, or whatever, and the, <laughs> the I Observer have Live. You, you yeah, could, it's you like you could spend your whole uh, day listening to their shows. Uh, <clears throat> A really, really cool guy, though. Yeah, really nice guy. Yeah. It was fun catching up. I uh, got to give an airplane spin to Brian Alvarez yeah. for my album. And, uh, uh, yeah, and you or Dave were talking up Blue Chase. Yeah, we were that talking was, about Brasso de Oro. So. I was actually, I, I, I don't think even yeah. think I said I just kind of sat back and listened to you guys. Yeah, so then, like we, history so then Dave, start, Dave and I, I should bring this up because uh, I don't think the guy who I made a comment, I wasn't rude to the guy, Just mm-hmm. I just made the response. Uh, and I don't think he listens to this podcast anyway, so who gives a fuck? <laughs> Um, Dave and I were talking about the UWA Toreo shows in the 80s and how yes. deep, how loaded the lineups were and everybody was listening to us Tom Lawler Brian um, Dan Farron I think you were there also yes I was and um, this other guy <laughs> and so we were talking about how great how loaded they were how the opening match you had guys who now are kind of like legends or like some of the all time really good talented workers and so this guy says you know, like you guys are speaking about the um, Toreo sh- shows. In 10 years, people will be talking about this year's um, New Japan in the same fashion. And um, Dave stayed quiet. Everybody kind of stayed quiet. And I look at Dan, and Dan is looking at me like with this smile like, yes. oh, no, he's going to say something. <laughs> like Dan's waiting for something. Well, you know, you know I think Dan was just like amused <laughs> because he probably figured New Japan isn't anywhere near as good as those lineups. Because, I mean, those lineups from El Toreo had um, Stan Hansen, um, 
Dos Caras, Canek, Mil Mascaras, Nero Casas, Villanos, Rasos, Misioneros. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, Hogan, Hogan. New, New Japan, as great as it is right now, there is no, no one at that level. I mean, of stardom. I mean, they're good. Okada's good. Tanahashi's good. But none of those guys are at that level of stardom as those guys who were at, in El Toreo. The American guys, the Japanese Fujinami, Noki. Sayama. Sayama. Uh, all those the, guys. The women, too. Devil Masaki. Yes. Yeah, so there's, it wasn't comparable. So then uh, I look at Dan, and I, I know Dan's probably just more. And, and, and then I look at Dave, and Dave's kind of like, like giving him like this serious look, like, <laughs> yes, like, like and I and I'm like I'm like yeah, but you know El Torreo didn't have Yoshi Tatsu in opening <laughs> matches. That's right. And so, I couldn't remember who said it, it was. And then Tom Lawler just like smiles, like. like and, and then you you asked Dave, is Tatsu just as bad? Yes. And, and then every single one of like the Tom Lawler, <laughs> Brian, and they are like, oh yeah, he's worse. Actually, they said he wasn't as bad. He was bad, but he wasn't as bad as he was right. at that main event. Because you could tell Volador Jr. was completely lost. And I even talked to Dave about Volador Jr. about how, how um, Dr. Lucha had asked me if um, I thought um, Volador had lost interest in what he was doing in CML. And I had told uh, Dr. Lucha that, you know, it's, he's working with Pierrot and, and Yoshitatsu. Yeah. And some of the matches he's in, like the Gobernables matches, they're just stuff that isn't really his... Um, Exactly. It, it, it's not where he's going to get to showcase his skill or anything, and that Dave was saying the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah he, he is can. so talented. Yeah, so. I mean, that guy is so great. Um, oh yeah, because I remember after you said something and after the Tatsu comments were made, you the, know, guy continued. the guy continued. <laughs> I was like, yes. And what? And one of the things I, I said like, Dude, was was that was when I used to get the Lucha Libre mags and the El Halcón mags every week. That was in eighty one, eighty two. I'd go to downtown LA just to get every mag and. The thing I was always most excited about was getting Lucha Libre Mag because they would always have the weekly Toreo lineup. Yes. And it's like opening matches were... Nero Casas was in opening matches yes. sometimes. Yes, it's like they, they, Like even like the guys you didn't know, like if you do research on those guys, they were fucking good. Like they were good in the territory, in, the, I don't think in their they, little like area that they worked at. Yeah, I don't think there's any place in history where you saw such loaded cards. I mean, it was a... Man, if I could pick one time to live in Mexico, you know, even like the other pro- the other promotion, Pavilona Azteca, the, uh-huh. the group that ran there, their shows were fucking insane. Like they like they didn't have the big stars as mm-hmm. many, but they had like this really deep roster. As you look through like Apache's career and the Brazos and all yes. these guys, you hear about them working those shows, and they those shows were just probably not at the not the at the level of Toreo, but they were really good. Also, yes, I think people just kind of viewed it. Oh, it's Super Muñeco's kids promotion but exactly. it, was, it was actually really good and that's something yes, i would like it, to see it was actually really good yeah uh so we had a wonderful time met a, a whole bunch of yeah. other people ricky steamboat was there ricky steamboat was uh, Pat there patterson was there sergeant slaughter slaughter yes uh i didn't realize it till today but jim bernzel was there yeah yeah i saw a picture of him. somebody posted a yes, picture yes i didn't even realize yeah i'm like where, where was he i don't think he went to the to the banquet though yeah he must have just been hanging yeah. out around around the uh uh there was a lot of people that didn't go to the banquet. Yeah, but we saw a lot of our old friends. Got to see Royal Duncan and... Human Tornado was Human there. Human Tornado was yes, there. Yes, yes. <laughs> we ran into him in the in the, the Rio. He stayed at the Rio, too. Yeah, yes. he went he went to the pool area, and we're like, yep, plenty of good-looking women there. So. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. uh, yes. Lots of eye candy there. Yes. So, uh, yeah, had a wonderful time, and... Um, uh, Met a whole lot of other people. I'm forgetting a lot of names, and we have to move on. But any bit that we haven't mentioned, just want to say we had a blast. I will now mention everybody. every glow girl. Go for it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know their names. I know Dan was like, "Can you name five glow girls?" I, I was like, I, "Hollywood." And um, I'm old enough where I remember Matilda the Hun before she was even Queen Kong when she was Queen Adrena in 1980. See, and I was like, I was like, I was like. Hollywood and uh, I totally nerded out. Little Egypt, and the only reason I remember those are the, they're the, they're the ones I think are very are yes. still very attractive. Cheryl Roos's are still very stunning. Yeah, but I didn't know what her lovely. name was. Yeah. Um, so, oh, before we move on to the next, just want to make a quick mention: uh, the passing of J. Michael Kenyon, who, uh, I, with the exception of Tom Burke, he's probably done more. He was doing historical research on pro wrestling. Long before it was cool, I would say he and Tom Burke, probably the granddaddies of wrestling historians. Wow! And yeah, I, I saw that. I he, saw that yesterday, right? Yes, yes. I met him. I would say about fifteen years. ago. Well, he ago. passed away like a like two last weeks or, week, like two weeks. Or oh, was it that long ago? 
I think they said April 26th. I didn't realize that. Uh, I know the news just came out. Yeah. Uh, and the ironic part is, I, I knew it was a little late. I didn't realize it was that long after his passing. But it was actually covered on TV in the area. Oh, wow. He was like in Seattle. He was like a local, uh, like a local celebrity. Yeah, he did radio, didn't he? Yeah, and and uh, a sports writer too, wasn't he? He was a sports yeah. writer, and he's somebody who would uh, do a you know just just you do a lot of binge searching on professional wrestling. He was hitting the microfilms long before everybody else, going to the libraries and checking out the microfilms. Maybe the only other exception is... I'm just glad I, I didn't have to go through that. Like, internet was already I around. Too. <laughs> I too. Hey, no, I, I will bow down to the people like Steve Yohe, J. Michael Kenny. I struggled. I struck- who actually took the time to go to the library. Yeah. I waited till the digital age and I yes. subscribed to the <laughs> I, I, I was horrible with the Dewey Decimal Systems. <laughs> I remember how many how many times did they constantly explain it? I think every time you switched to schools, so they had one. Like if you went from elementary school, then in middle school, and then high school, they would tell you uh, the Dewey Decimal System. I never remember. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I'll just look it up. I, I went in alcohol order. I was like, I'll calculate first. That's system. why I was a comparative literature major instead of a math. Teacher. I was bad because I would just like, I wouldn't bother and I'd just get whatever book I thought looked interesting. And I would just, <laughs> The good thing is they would always have sports books, so I was always happy. That's with them. always like good. wrestling or sports were on. There. Yeah, so anyway, I just want to say thank you, Jay Michael. Yeah. Uh, he was. I met him once about fifteen years ago. Really, really funny guy too. Really fun guy. And onward and upward. What are we covering next, Fredo? Well, geez, we like we were like in between our our Vegas trips. There were we were sandwiched by two de- pretty big prominent deaths in, yes. in Lucha Libre because both guys were very active parts of their promotions um the first one happened um friday what was it april 28th that sounds right 28th was that the yeah because 30th is sunday yeah mm-hmm. april 28th um Braslo de oro passed away that was like really bummed that one out. yeah that one surprised i think that one took everyone by surprise because you know it's weird because yes. i think Brasso's being short chubby guys you kind of like assume they're not really they're not really health nuts so it's like you just assume oh these guys aren't going to be around that i mean we've always assumed with um super porky since i think since he was like with everybody's i think the first thing most since 19 since 1990 1998 i think everybody's been wondering how long he's going to be around and maybe before that too but it was more 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 prominent around that time i don't think any of us thought he would be the last of the three of those of the main brazos the main brazos family yeah one of the largest families yeah in wrestling that was um, like, I mean, that was kind of just one of those. That bummed me out. I got very nostalgic uh, because I, I watched them the most the year after they lost their masks. Yeah, I think that's how most people like saw them. Yes, like, yes, and of course we'll go into detail. Next Lucha Classica episode six will be on yes. Los Brazos. It'll be exclusively a Los Brazos yes. episode. Yeah, but Brazo de Oro. I mean, I kind of. As far as like what he were his, I guess really it's the trio as it, together because I don't think he never really reached the stardom that I think at, when he was initially starting where they thought he was going to be a single star. Mm-hmm. He never got to do that because the trio became so popular. Yes. And really Porky was the one that took off afterwards, whereas Brasso de Oro was maybe more of a, you know, upper mid card. Yeah, he was a guy. good singles worker. Yeah. Right? In fact, I was watching some of his matches over the last few days. And he was good, but yeah, he just didn't have that rub that would make him a top tier guy. Yeah, he. And then by the by the time he became a singles wrestler back again, it was already he was there were already yes. guys who had already surpassed him in terms of um. And I think he also being part of the in charge of the union and and being involved backstage behind the mm-hmm. scenes with CML, I think he kind of there's too much on his plate to really exactly. And focus I, and on. actually, that it it always makes me happy to hear that once the wrestling career is winding up, they still have some sort of a job in the industry. Yeah. I mean, not everybody is that lucky. Well, you know, I thought the, the, the most amusing thing about this whole thing was that how everybody like, and this happens also with um, everybody who passes away in Lucha, mm-hmm. the, the, the date, their, the year of their birth, their birth date yes. is always wrong. And so like everybody assumed it was 1950. There were a few people who said 1959, but you know, when you're getting like so many people, the first mm-hmm. couple of people are putting 1950 it becomes like this. It's hard to like look for it until like the guy who handles Wikipedia contacted me and told me. Well, not the guy who handles Wikipedia, but the Lucha who posts the Lucha oh. Libre um, profiles. Oh, me, you mean the Lucha Wiki? 
No, not Pachuca. That's Cubs fan. That's Cubs fan. Yeah, I was say. he he didn't. He didn't have it. Also, the guy who handles the wiki page on Wikipedia. Oh, okay. Oh, gotcha. Yes. The, the real wiki. The wiki, the real one. Um, he contacted um, Cubs fan and myself. I think he might have contacted me first, and then um, he posted it on mm-hmm. Cubs fan afterwards, or he did it at the same time. And um, he told us the mistake was that um, when he typed in 1959. The, the nine came out as a zero. I guess he must have pressed the wrong button oh, or something. Oh, yes. And so in the inbox, you know how they have on, <coughs> on the side, they have like a little inbox where it gives you the information mm-hmm. on a person. That said 1950 for like eight years. But on the text, it said 1959. Oh, so, so it was then a typo. Yeah, so then he, he was able to fix it later on. But it's like there, it, it was there long enough where a lot of people who were doing a Lucha reporting were already like posting it. I saw it on there. I saw it on uh, Observer. I checked on Observer and then I checked on Cubs fans' mm-hmm. site because they... They posted it early. I usually have to write like a long, a longer um, obit for the guys, and uh, they they had that sixty six years old. So I said, okay, they have it right. So then they told they mentioned the, that guy mentioned it. Then Boxy Lucha and another um, another person from Mexico mentioned that it was nineteen fifty nine. Also, so it's like okay, then they're correct. Um, I'll switch it over to nineteen fifty nine. We went to the Cauliflower Alley Club. And um, Dave Meltzer shows up, and the first thing I tell him is like, "Did you get the correct date for the Brasso de Oro, uh, his birth date?" And he's like, "Was it 1950?" I go, "No, 1959." He's like, "Oh no, I had that in my head, but I'll have to go change it." And I'm like, <laughs> "And so I'm like, Dad, just write it in the next Observer. Um, write your um, write that you yep. got the wrong date." He's like, "No, no, no, I can't. I have to redo the entire thing exactly. because I was writing years, like his 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 birth, his, his age." Exactly. And he's like, and he's because I know uh, Pete Stein was the one that told me about it on Facebook. He's like, "Isn't it weird that there's this this 11 year gap?" And you know. I I thought it, but at the same time, there's a lot of um, families who have kids at certain ages. It happened with the girls, where it's like Chavo's like Chavo Senior might be like fifty something, and then um, Eddie was like thirty something or, or late early forties or something like that. So you had like these different ages, like an, an 11, 13 year gap isn't that uncommon. Yeah, when you have multiple a lot of kids, but then once they, once you start figuring out that the second born is Brasso, and you're like, okay, maybe maybe it's it, maybe maybe it is closer to that. So then, when this guy posted, it was like, okay, I'll change it. Gotcha. Yeah. So it was yeah. good. Yeah. Um, I really uh, dug. Uh, I will talk about this on the Brussels uh, Classica because Black Terry's been. They've someone interviewed Black Terry while oh, they were driving to yes. his show. You told me this. Yeah, story. And, he, and he had a lot of funny stories. So I'll tell the Brussels story. story on that. The, yes. Yeah, because it involves the. It involves the. It doesn't even involve Brussels door. It involves the other Brussels. It's a classic. It involves story. all of them. It, it, uh, it must be told. Yes. Yeah. Um, now. Uh, so that death happened then Gran on Apache. Friday. Then Sunday, early Sunday, Grand Apache passes away from, um, I guess he had a long battle with um, intestinal cancer. Wow. And it's only recently that he stopped appearing on track. Yeah, the last few months. Wow. Like It's been about three, four months maybe. Now, I have, you know, I have to, It's I have weird. To... I, when, I, when I sent you the email, mm-hmm. I told you how weird it was that we would watch that um, tri- those tryouts for the La Llave La Gloria. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't see Grand Apache on there. I, and I thought maybe he's somewhere in the background, not not seen. And then Fabio Pacheco on the belts, um, the trios titles, mm-hmm. and there was there was never a, a them teaming up with her. And then Mary's uh, apparently dealing with a head injury or something from a. Mm-hmm. I think she had an accident or something. Although I'm not sure if it's just that. I think she might have been the one ha- um, taking care of um, Grand oh, Apache. That makes sense. Because I mean, you know, it's it, you, know, kind you, of an you old have school. a you have a relative. Battling. Also, an old school thing when you're sick. You know, a lot of old school people don't like people to know they're sick. Yeah. They keep it to themselves. Yeah, so someone has to be there. Which like, was the case with Chavo Guerrero. Yeah. He didn't want anybody to But he know. didn't. He only had like a month. Yeah, he had a brief. I mean, he yeah. found out like way too late. Yeah, and I think I think that might happen with Apache too because, mm-hmm. I mean, what's it been like since December maybe that he hasn't been seen? So that's I about... Have, I've got to less be honest. I, I, You're not keeping up with AAA? No, I'm not. In fact... <laughs> AAA fact, TV hasn't been... A, in fact... Isn't on your radar? I will really... I have to turn over the whole Grand Apache thing to you because I have to say of... Uh, I have I have seen him wrestle a number of occasions, but I really am unfamiliar with him. So yeah, Grand Apache started around the same time that um, Brasilador. You know, they have two. They they were they were about the same age, mm-hmm. born the same year. Um, they kind of started around the same time in 1975. I think he started like in August or something of 75. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they both. We're at one point married to Lady Apache. That's true. 
I didn't even think of that. Yes. Trivia question. Grand Apache oh actually gosh. married her, like, I think she must have been like 15, 16, 17 years old. Students, <laughs> yes. Right? He, she had to be somewhere in her teens when he married her, so. Yes. And now she was one of the students. Yes, right? she was 15 years old. Yes, Pikes. Yeah, but you know that's that's wrestling. That's wrestling, you know. And you know when people were making fun of Bobby Savala's um, comment about fifteen years old, he's like, he was like, <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with that? There's no, uh, there's no, and it's like, yeah, you don't say that nowadays. It's a different day and age. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's not nineteen seventies. Because he had a, there was, I think there was an eleven year age gap between the two. So yes, but still, you know, and it's funny. Um, he started out, I think he started as an independent worked his way he was going to get it he um he used, to, he used to train in blue demons um gym mm-hmm. and he became such a good um um student train that he and wrestler that he became one of the at a young age he was one of the um, assistants to the instructor mm-hmm. so then um he trained he helped um at that time there was another young guy training there who would later take on the name of apache too so um the, i think he was wrestling as last silhouette at that time i in fact i can't recall where I saw it years ago I actually saw tape of them as a team it's the only time I ever saw yeah because they worked in AAA they worked AAA a few times I think yeah so um they they ended up um they ended up being offered a deal to go to EMLL mm-hmm. but what ended up happening um Pavilon Azteca offered them more money so they went there and they had like this huge feud with the, Los Mojicanos which oh, is another yes. another um Indian it was an Indian feud. They wore a mask, duo, right? No. Mojicanos? No. What am I thinking of? No. They might have worn masks at some point, but... No, I'm probably, I'm probably yeah. having a hallucination. Yeah. yeah, so then he was there for a while. He worked UWA. He worked back, went back to MLL. I think you might have seen it. That might have been where you might have seen him at least a few times. You know times. what? You know what? Where um, he would work openers. You might have seen like a clip I of him. I did see an opener, and I do camera if Grand Apache 2 was on this one. Not him. Grand Apache. No, yeah, but straight Grand Apache. I definitely saw Grand him. Apache 2 wasn't there. He was never in CML? No, he wasn't Okay, because I do remember, I think it was 1990, it was an opener when Casas was still with uh, UWA. I... Uh, so Negro Casas, Canelo Casas, and I can't remember who they teamed with, but Grand Apache was in the other team. That might have been UWA then. No, this was it was definitely CMLL. It can because Casas, Negro Casas wouldn't have teamed with Canelo and um, EMLL. It was like a one night thing. Oh, baby. No, seriously, yeah. I might might have been a Coliseo show, or yes, it was Coliseo. Like yeah, okay. It wasn't Arena Mexico. If it's Coliseo, then but anything what I happens. Remember what I remember surprised me so much about it was. Uh, the Technicos won two straight falls, which really? almost never happened. And of course, being a, a, a Casas fan of the fourth year, I you know, and being younger and a little more immature, I was livid that Negro Casas had to drop two straight falls. But you know, you know, the weird thing is young. like with a the Apache. I don't even maybe Apache Two was there at one point, but it's like those guys like the Apaches, um, Panico. Yes, those all those like that group of guys. They all look kind of they're kind of like the same group they of guys. The same it's physique, same physique. They, it's like you couldn't even tell the difference. And they all have of, that same gnarly badass. Yes, yes, like their Commander Russo was. I was the group. only. I, I know I'm in the minority, but I dug watching Panico and Commander Russo, and I, I, in hindsight, I know why because, you know, they were opening back guys for the most part, but if you're just learning lucha style and. You're learning basics. Those are good matches to watch. Yeah, just to know, the, just to see. How I would give. I would give done. to see those guys instead of the crap that CML puts in the open. I agree. Like, agree. Like some of those guys can't even do anything. Like even like I mean, if you're gonna have guys who you don't want them to do dives, at least have them be like capable mat wrestlers. You know, yes, like, amen. capable in the ring. Not not like. It's like I'm not expecting them to like be have five star matches, but I mean something that at least can be passable. Exactly, and and in my opinion, I, this is another old school thing, but I, I actually think that's something that that they should utilize is opening matches should not be five star matches. They should be entertaining, but you don't want to raise the bar what, too high. Well, the problem the problem with CML is that they have a lot of guys who shouldn't be in CML. I agree. There's like at least half the roster. It's my favorite should, promotion, but still. half the roster shouldn't be there because yeah. I mean your opening match guys should be guys that are trying to move up. And maybe you have them there, and they kind of explain to them six months. If you're mm-hmm. good, you move up. If not, we'll let you know. If you want to continue, mm-hmm. stick it out, stick it out for another couple of months. We'll come back to you. If not, you know, leave, you could leave or whatever. But it's like they have all these guys who you just know aren't going to do oh, anything. No, they've lowered their. Yes, yeah, Sangre Imperial isn't good. Um, Canelo Casas. I mean, some oh. of these guys have been working third matches too, which is really like it's starting to. I know when I didn't. I didn't even get to ask Dave about his comment about how CML now has more talent than they used to have. 
Because it's like, I was like, there's no way they have more talent now than, I mean, they don't have as much talent as they had two or three years ago when, when Sombra and uh, Mascara Dorado were there and a few couple of other yes, guys yes. that have, Ray Scorpion, all those guys have left. It's like. Well, and it seems like the people in those positions, the wrestlers in those positions aren't really even striving to. Yeah, yeah. Game. It's like, they're not that good. Um, So back to Apache. Then he um, probably were, he pretty much, the majority of his career was spent was with AAA. Um, he was one of the Chiva Rayadas. That's where him and... That was AAA, right? Yes. Apache, yes. him, and the other Apache were the Chivas Rayadas. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you should remember that. that the, the the goats. The, the, the soccer-playing goats. <laughs> yes. um, I remember that, and I remember that in the same vein of when America Roca was uh, one half of Los Bali. Yeah, yeah. They only used them like for a few weeks, and I was pissed. I loved Los Bali. Yeah. It, and then um, after that, he kind of would, would go back to Japan... And he actually, that's where he started training a lot of the, he tried, he started training a lot. He was already training a lot of the Mex, the talent in Mexico, the women and all mm-hmm. that stuff. He, he went to Japan and I think he trained some of the, the women that would eventually work for Arsion and mm-hmm. some of those promotions. I think he trained, um, Yoshida, one of those, um, oh, wow, really? one of the bigger names from that era. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. There's a couple of girls that he were, he trained a lot of them. Well, cause Fabi and Mary were there, uh, from there, um, that, I think around 2005 was when the probably one of the biggest storyline feuds with Billy Boy of AAA right? started. Was it that long ago? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the Apache family feud that included Grand Apache, Fabi Apache, and Billy Boy. Yes, which was you probably didn't watch it. I didn't anymore. watch yeah. it. No, I remember. Man. I just remember because it was such a unique gimmick. It was like mi- mixing soap opera and wrestling. I yeah. Think, more it, so than before. Yeah, it's so cool. It was so interesting because it just started as like Fabi missed a, a show because she was injured. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they showed this little clip of her um, talking to this mystery man that she was supposedly going to marry, but she had to introduce to her to her, to her father. <laughs> she um, Her dad finds out that it's Billy Boy. He doesn't approve because he didn't like the Barrio Boys to be in with. He doesn't like the... Because they had already done... Oh, he had the Oscar Sevilla feud before that. I don't think you ever saw that. No, either. I didn't. No. Which was, it was kind of like, they kind of started teasing that type of feud with him. Mm-hmm. But Oscar Sevilla just, it just never panned out because he wasn't a good looking kid. So, yeah. you know, people are like. I was going to say, he, I, I liked Oscar Sevilla, but he's not somebody I would push. Yeah, as, as uh, the pretty boy. And, you know, when I mentioned in the, in the bit, I'm like, he wasn't at the level of Latin Lover and um, Heavy Metal who were there at that time. Whereas Billy Boy, he didn't have the look, but he could play off the, the role because he was a young guy. He, he could play off more of the role. Plus, he was married to Fabi at that mm-hmm. point. So, so um, they did that whole feud. I mean, within the first year, I mean, they had so many things. Um, Tiffany was involved. Estrellita was involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apache and Billy Boy had this wild hair match. Tons of blood. Uh, <laughs> Billy Boy ends up winning. He had actually promised that if he didn't win, he would not only retire, but he would leave Fabi Apache alone. Like, he would dump, <laughs> he would leave her. And so after that match is won, this is probably I think this might have been the match where um they win. I know Mar- baby Marvin shows up, Fabia and Billy Boy's son mm-hmm. shows up, and I think Billy Boy grabs him and holds him while he's bleeding. I think that might have been the oh, match. Lord. I think there's a picture of that. I think there's a picture of that. Oh lord! And then like the feud continued. I mean, it just wow. kept going. I, at one point, Billy Boy goes crazy. Um, he he gets sent to the psych ward. We're probably gonna have to do a podcast about this entire storyline. Yeah, own, yes. yeah. So um, so then um, I probably should get like Rob to do the to get Rob in on this. Uh, yeah, just yeah. He's, he's, he, he, I'm he's, fascinated listening to yeah. him. I, I can't add anything. I'm yeah. sitting here drinking it. So in. then um, they had this whole thing, and so when Billy Boy gets out of prison, mm-hmm. out of out of the psych the ward, psych ward? The psych ward <laughs> not prison, but it's pretty much a prison. Yeah, exactly. Um, he dons a mask and calls himself Alpha. And becomes um, he goes and trains with Grand Apache, and Apache, um, Apache tells um, Fabi that this is the guy that she, she should marry, uh-huh. and it's later revealed that it's Billy Boy. And then later uh-huh. on, later on, the feud continues. I think at one point, Fabi kind of turns like dumps him, mm-hmm. and he because he ends up hooking up with Sexy Star, and that's where you introduce they introduce Sexy, Sexy Star into uh-huh. into Triple A and all this stuff. So it's like it's a really I mean it was a four year long really, really storyline very detailed yes. I mean one of the best storylines that I think Antonio Pe- I think Antonio Pena started the first year of it mm-hmm. and could unfortunately passed away and couldn't continue and whoever continued it on was able to do I'm guessing Apache family had yeah. had some involvement in that so that was really the big feud from there he started training more people I mean if you go on online you can find every single wrestler that's been in um, in AAA just talking about how much not just in AAA, but guys who would go to mm-hmm. Mexico, 
not just um, the guys in Mexico, but guys who would travel to Mexico that would go train, take a class with him, and he would train them and everything. Really, really, he was very um, influential in, in a lot. That's of what stuff. I was going to ask because I know I, whenever I heard of trainers in AAA, it was he was the only one I yeah. referenced to. What's going to happen now, right? <laughs> that, that was my question. Is um, was he the sole trainer? I mean, was he kind of one of the hubs of AAA? Well, he was the main one, I think. But I mean. So do you think there will be... Matt Pirro is now the one training. With, with oh, gee. <laughs> okay, you answered my question before I asked it. Yikes. Matt Pirro is oh, now the head trainer also. Well, No, I, th- I think they, I think, I think, I think from, from watching the, those tryouts, I think they're trying to get Averno to be the, the new trainer. Oh, okay. I think that's what they're trying to do because he was there a lot. He was very prominent in that. So I think maybe he's kind of starting to take on the role. Because I mean, what other reason? What other reason is there for him to stay in AAA? I mean, it's got to be True. it's got to be a financial where it's not just the wrestling. He's probably getting more money out of that also. I would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> especially yeah, somebody like Bruno. Yeah, it's 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 going to hurt AAA just because they lost Joaquin Roldan and Apache, yes. and both of them had a lot of influence backstage. Apache mentioned uh, um, he I found an interview that he did, and he was talking about how. He, they were asking him about how a lot of the older generation of wrestlers don't really want to, they don't accept the younger guys. And then the younger guys, some of the younger guys don't want to listen to the older guys. Which is a common theme in wrestling yeah, throughout so, history. So he was saying how he himself would go to indie, independent shows, like, because he was scouting talent. And he would watch, when he worked, like, you know, the house shows that AAA runs. If he was going to wrestle on a show, he would go back and watch some of the guys wrestle. Because he said, you always learn something new from be it a, a, a good wrestler, a bad wrestler, a young wrestler, an old wrestler, you learn something from them. Oh, that's an interesting yeah. way to put it. Well, that's the, I think Negro Navarro and uh, Casas might have said, told mm-hmm. us that also, that you learn from all everyone. Because, I mean, they never talk bad about anyone. And it's like, they sh- they have a right to talk bad about all these people. Absolutely. Guys. Yeah, so well, that that's was... That's what separates them from the, uh, from the rest. Because, yeah. Um, I mean... Like I said, this common theme in wrestling throughout history is the old school doesn't accept accept the young school and vice versa. Yeah. Well, yeah. we were talking about how Cauliflower Alley Club, um, they wanted the young bucks. Dave was bringing up that he had told the young bucks they should go to the go to this year's um, event, and they said that they didn't think they would be accepted. And um, I was like, and I was like, man, I think, I think they would have been. I oh, think, yeah, yeah, they even would've. if they weren't. I mean, there's so many people there. It's like the handful of people who wouldn't have accepted you. Yeah, and you know, it it, it it's changed a lot in the last. I mean, Ricky Steamboat was there. I'm pretty sure Ricky Steamboat would have been fine. With oh them. yeah, well, I, Pat I, Patterson. They too. might have heard stories about. I remember when I first started going to Cauliflower Alley again. Uh, God, when was that? Uh, 2003. Red Bastine was really actively trying to get younger wrestlers involved. Yeah, and so you'd. Uh, you see people there like Samoa Joe, uh, Rocky Romero. Wow. Not so much making appearances, but just attending. Yeah. Because Red really wanted to bridge that generation gap. And I really felt sorry for Red Bastine because a lot of the older guys, whenever they would be you know, making a presentation at the banquet or at the baloney blowout, would just start talking about how inept the younger guys are and how... Yeah. And it was a real... Not just a slap to the face in, to the younger guys, but it was a slap to the face to Red Bastine, who was really, really trying to do something good there. But that was like that was what fourteen years ago. It's really it's really changed a lot. There's, yeah, and you know, there's and more I, of a bridge. And I think app. this year they would have been fine because the guys who were pre- talking. I mean, you got the Glow Girls. What are they going to say? Like they're not going to shit on anybody. They were per- they were yeah, exactly. they were very friendly. Exactly. The entire they time. were really nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tully Blanchard was talking about his own personal um, demons. demons and stuff like that. And um, Meltzer, I mean, he was the one that was talking about it. J.J. Dillon put over Dave Meltzer. So it's yes, like, and I so applaud J.J. Like, Dillon. Well, my bias, of course, I've been friends with Dave for 30-plus years. So, yeah, there were a couple of some people being smartasses when Dave was making his presentation. Yeah. And I, I regret that I stepped out of the room a little later when J.J. Dillon came on. I didn't realize he was going to go up when you told me that. Yeah. I salute J.J. Dillon for being the one old school member who actually... That's not saying all the old school people in the room were mocking Dave, but there were some smart asses who were just... Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a mix of people. Yeah, it was, it was a mix. I, was I, a, I'd say for the most part it was respectful, but yeah. I was really glad that J.J., one of the old timers, went out there and just said it as it is. I really... 
think yes. it's wonderful. Speaking of old school, new school, <laughs> did you watch Negro Navarro versus Zack Saber Jr.? Yes. Because when I when when I when Dave and I were talking about it, uh, we told the, uh, Filthy Tom Lawler to that we recommended he watch it. Yes. And he told me he 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 private messaged me and told me that he had actually watched it and really enjoyed it. Very interested in seeing more of Negro Navarro. Um, he had already seen Zack Sabre Jr. because he watches New Japan and all that stuff. It's easier to watch. It's on TV. It's New Japan World and all that stuff. Although, I mean, nowadays you can watch... Lucha is probably even easier to watch because it's all on YouTube now. Oh, absolutely. Like, That's just, where I went. Yeah, I just no, put in no, <laughs> Nobody's trying to make money nowadays, so it's all on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Oh, my God, that was a beautiful match. Yeah. Zack Sabre, the first... I Okay... You're all going to laugh at this me. This is the first time you've seen him. It's my first time i ever seen him. Wow. And he's been around a long time. Yes. I've heard the name everywhere. So I uh, saw him first on a pro when he was working Pro Wrestling Noah. And I was like, man, this guy is really like thin. And he's like, and he's very different from everybody else. But then once you start watching it, it's, he's really good. And well, it's like, and, and even back then he was really good. But in fact, like, when I was watching it, because I watched it late Saturday night, and... Again, not knowing anything about his background, the first thing I thought of was like, oh my God, this kind of reminds me of the Brit style, like Johnny Saint, the old school no, that's it, that technical wrestler. He is British. And he is British, so, <laughs> so I guess I... I uh, so you were the opposite of um, Tom with uh, your viewing of a... Well, I mean, of who you... Uh, you knew Navarro more than... Oh, yeah, uh, I knew. I've, I've seen Navarro a lot. Yeah. I mean, from his rookie years. I first time I saw Navarro was... When uh, the Death Missionaries came to L.A. in 1982. Yeah. And they were just amazing. I mean... Uh, but he's very different now compared to that. Oh, it's a whole different yeah. Negro Navarro. Yeah. Well, because he's intelligent, because if he kept taking the bumps he took back then, he and even be He mentioned that. He mentioned that. Um, he did an interview, and they were asking him um, about his style, and he's like, I don't wrestle the same as I used to. Because I, I, I found an interview because um, Dave had mentioned how, mm-hmm. how um, Navarro's kind of always been this similar Russell and I, I kind of mentioned it wasn't I didn't tell Dave but I, um, I, I wanted to find out what because I know Navarro had said something that it wasn't the same it doesn't it's not, it, you could tell it's not the same yes but it's like he did an interview and he was talking about how when he first when he first was with the missionaries um, he would take some crazy bumps he's like I don't know if you guys have ever seen but there's this bump over the, the guard um, over the, the ring post that uh, you might have seen Nero Casas and, and some of these other people do like uh, I think I can't remember. He said somebody that I think might have been. Um, Are you talking about the Negro Costas bump that I like to take, or is it a different no? The one Flair takes. Oh, okay, yes. Costas yes. takes that one too every once in a while. Yes. But but there's another one. There's another guy that I can't remember who he said. It was somebody who he said. Have you seen that guy take up that bump? And and I, I just can't remember who it was that he said. Um, and he said I used to take that bump. He's like, but what happens is after you take that bump a few times, you start wondering, is it really worth it? Like, because yes. you're going to hurt yourself. And it's like, it's not worth it. So I think around 89, 90 was around the time that he started deciding to stop taking certain bumps. And he started more building his, um, the style of the maestro style, the Yaveo, Rastelona style. And I, and I really do wish that, one, I think mat wrestling looks cool. And even for the guys who do all the high spots, I think it looks cool, the old school, how you start off doing the mat wrestling. Yeah. And then the pace would pick up into high spots. I think mean, he, he, they I, never did that. They never, other than chopping each other, but they never really did that. Yes. They never went beyond the, they stuck to the mat wrestling and they did a couple of chops. And it was great. Yeah. It was awesome. And I, I when, he, when he works with Terry, it's very different with Black Terry, where Black Terry takes a lot of bumps and, yeah. and he's a little more, um, when they work with the Panther and um, Blue Panther, the that tag match, mm-hmm. that was really good. They, they did a little more of a, uh, he did a little more of a bump, bumping and stuff like that, but it was never anything like crazy bumping like the, you know, like well, a Ray Scorpion or exactly, something like yeah. that. Oh, definitely. Where you're thinking, oh my God, well, they're Well, based on that sense. match alone, uh, I'm a huge Zack Sabre fan. Not because... He put over, like he put he, over Daga too. At the the next week, he worked, did he? He worked Daga in Tijuana and he, he, did, he lost to him too. Oh man, I loved it because not only... That's, a, that's an old school thing. You know, because yes, usually, usually... Yes. Well, guys complain like we've been to shows where guys complain about doing a job, and it's like, dude, you got to put over the guy who's exactly. like the, the established name. And and uh, not only did he put him over clean, I mean clean, clean, but he bowed to him. Yeah. After the match, and then Negro Navarro bowed to him, yeah. and I just thought this they is got money thrown and stuff like that too. Yes, those bridges, uh, those uh, bridges he does. Yeah. Oh my god. 
That's it looks painful on your neck. <laughs> it does, but he does those. I wouldn't try them because me, I'd probably like just bump my head. And I, you know what I really he like? He does them so fluidly. I like the spot where he grabbed his to break out of a hole. He grabbed his wrist and yes. he kept just bending the wrist. And you hear Negro Navarro just screaming the entire time. Yes, it's like a judo yes. wrist. And that's one of those things that hurts more than it looks like. It yes, does. yeah. And I thought, man, this is really good. And I thought it was, I thought it was a really good match. I don't know. There's a lot of people who are saying that like, it's the most important match of 2017. It's like. It was good, but it's there were so many. There's been so many good there's matches. Been a lot of great matches. I, it's definitely in my top five. I would say that. Yes. I don't. I don't. I still kind of like the Echicero Kaifan match, just because I think, for me, I like having a mix of not just the the mat wrestling, like you were saying, you like the high flying and oh yeah, and these guys can mix it up a little more with brawling and well, stuff like that. That's why I would love the mat work to be worked in more often, is because you could still do the high flying, but you don't have to bump from start to finish. You you. And I really like that tag match that Volador Jr. That is my favorite match so yeah. far this year. And the Dragon Lee Kamitachi match and stuff like that. So there's there's a lot of stuff. I love the Rush Alley Park brawl that they had. That there's been some great wrestling. There's been a lot of great <laughs> ma- wrestling. Like, and I've actually seen some. Yes, of it. yes. You know, you think when you when you, when you go through the like, people will be like, "Man, there's not a good a lot of good wrestling." But if you can come up with ten great matches, and it's barely like four months in. It's a pretty good year for wrestling. I mean, it's not... It is. You can't expect all the... Like, even... I haven't watched... I mean, I even, like... I know I know some people weren't really as happy, as excited about the Aerostar Superfly um, mask hair match. Mm-hmm. I like that match. I'm, I like that match, too. I mean, that had a... That, that was a really good brawl, too. I mean... And I'm not a big AAA fan right now, because it's, like, so much crap on that oh, show. Oh, yeah. If I feel there's a good match, I will go yeah, check yeah, it out. Yeah. It's not like I'm going to boycott it, but... Well, well Dave also said, thing, said something during the speeches. In this day and age... There's so much access to so many. Yeah, you'll find something you'll like. There's yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there, there's even people. If you look hard enough, there are people who, uh, even though I think it's it doesn't do anything for me, is kind of contrived. But they do old school wrestling, wrestling the way you used to like it. There's people who listen to this podcast who are probably thinking, man, there is like I don't like certain lucha match because mm-hmm. there's I don't like the CML style. Well, guess what? There's there's the Nergo Navarro style. There's the there's independent wrestling where mm-hmm. you can do like different stuff. There's a bunch of different wrestling that you're gonna enjoy. It's not it's not just one thing. I mean, there's people who don't like Volador Junior. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Those exactly. People, those people are insane. <laughs> I, I am mean, in agreement. You got it. Volador Junior is like the greatest wrestler of all time. He's awesome. <laughs> he's, he is awesome. He's the coolest. <laughs> he's not the greatest wrestler of all time, but he's cool. Though. But no, he is. A, yeah. He is an awesome wrestler. Yes. He's very very good. And he's one of the, he's one of those guys that um. You kind of like, you have to more or less like see, like when he's wrestling the same guys, mm-hmm. it feels like the same thing. But if you see him in different, and he had that match with Carbonario, there's people who don't like yes. Volador who actually like that match. I mean, this upcoming week we're gonna get Ray Cometa versus Sobrano Jr., which should be great. Nice. Um, you're getting something different every couple of exactly. Weeks. There's something for everybody yeah. out there. I think I think that's that's where you start worrying about like, hey, and speaking of something for everybody. I know you watched this in Vegas. This was uh, this is obviously our leading contender for yes. match of the year. Something that I think will match the Nergo Navarro Zack Saber Junior match is one of the greatest matches of 2017. And we're not being facetious when we say yes. this. Actually, the, uh, apparently they on on Puebla. they tonight's Puebla show. We're recording this on Monday. They're going to have uh, another match. really, but they've actually had one in Guadalajara. That was filmed on handheld and some other. They they they've had another one in oh the Saturday show, um, but we're talking about Micro Microman Gallito versus Zacharias El Perico and Mije. And what were we both expecting? Kids Day match? Kids Day show April thirtieth. Very apropos. And what were you and I expecting of that match? I was expecting it to be the greatest match in the history of civilization. Fredo, you smart. <laughs> And it lived up to it. <laughs> You're not going to heaven. It, it lived up to it. No, it was amazing. I was I, expecting it just to be a fun comedy same match. Here. I was excited about it. Which for me, is, for me, that's excitement enough because I, I, I enjoy that stuff every once in a while. I love the mascots. Yeah. I, I, I was looking forward to it, but I was expecting what you were expecting. And my God, did they work their butts off. Yes. I love how it looked like they were just going to like you know joke around. And you know, for a while, the Rudos were being the rougher. Mm-hmm. The rough Rudos beating up, taking... Down the the smaller um, micro man and Gallito, but then Gallito just clicks on, and it's like he's just doing all this crazy stuff, like doing dives and stuff. Like, like wow, yes. Gallito came to work. <laughs> he did. He yeah. did. What, some of those topes, I was. They were better than half the CML yes, roster. Yes. <laughs> like they were. Like if you ranked 
seriously, if you rank the 130 or 150 wrestlers in CML, they're easily in the top 25, top 30. Easily. Yeah. Now, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, but it didn't seem like the, the topes were as telegraphed as a lot of the ones are. No, and especially because yeah. they're so tiny. When Gallito hit that tope, I thought he was going to miss Zacharias. And, yes! But Zacharias stood there and took it. I was like, holy yes. shit. Because I'm used to it, but but one of the one of the critiques I will have sometimes when somebody's doing a tope, the guy is staring at the guy who's going to dive on him for yeah. so long. Yeah. It's almost like he might as well, well say, they did, let me catch you! Well, the, the cool thing is they did Microman doing a little plancha. Yes. A little plancha. <laughs> I love <laughs> To the outside on, on Mije and Zacharias. And then, um, so, so Zacharias was already positioned there to grab, um, to catch Gallito. And so he went right away just to make sure he got him. And it was really cool. I mean, I, I dug that. The stage, the, 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 the fourth. The, the staircase. Fourth, the staircase oh, dive. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I just thought that was a really fun I, match. Yes. Yeah, and ladies and gentlemen, Fredo was raving about this match. So I watched it on my iPhone. In uh, Vegas. In Vegas. <laughs> and I just sat there. It, it was every bit as good as he sang. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, Microman. He did some stuff like he did the he did like a like a Vader bomb looking mm-hmm. plancha from the from the corner. Um, yes, he did the yes. he did that little kick where he like he, he did like a head, handstand and kicked them in the head. Oh my god! The way <laughs> he did he did those handstands on the rope, the yeah. Microman. Yeah, that was just I was not expecting to see anything near that level. Of scale. He was really good. I mean, I thought I thought you they had Ultimo Guerrero talk about these guys and you know. Ultimo Girl said he was very proud of them. Mm-hmm. He should be. I mean, because he's yes. the one. He, he was the one that trained them. He did a great job. I mean, he should be. He should be the one training the undercard guys. If, yeah, if he can get yeah. that out of these guys, I, although I, I don't. I mean, I, I would. I would guess these guys would easily be like they're better than the women. Definitely, they're better than the women and the, they are. And, and so, and a lot of the, I think other than Stukita, Sharkercito, and Pirotito right now. They're probably better than the other minis. And actually, it brought back memories of when I first started seeing the minis when they really were tiny. That should be the minis division. Yes, it should be. I would go back to that and just whoever's taller than those guys. Yeah, because I'll never forget the first time up. seeing the minis. It was in 1989 on Galavision. And the first thing I thought when they got all were in the ring, I thought, oh, this is... You know, because I grew up watching midget wrestling where it was all comedy where they'd run around the referee between his legs, pull his yeah. toupee off. And then they start working. I'm like, holy shit, these guys are wrestlers. And, you know, then gradually they became, they went from being minis to maybe lightweights or welterweights called minis. Yeah. And it was fun to see the bonafide minis again. Think about this. Would you rather watch Acero, Aéreo, um, Electrico versus... Pequeño Olimpico, Pequeño Nitro, Pequeño Universo in a random trios minis match? Or would you rather watch Pirotito teaming with Zacharias, Mije versus Microman, Shockercito, who's really good? Yes. And, Gall- and, and Gallito. I would I rather watch, see that. I would I rather watch, watch that. Yes. I agree. That, that's so much better. And then you find the other guys who fit that, small guys who fit that role. I mean, I think I think they should really go more with that. And, they and should. I elevate agree. Stukita and all those guys to be, because those guys aren't, I mean, they're, they're, they're about as tall as Valiente. I mean, exactly. They're not. Like, they're, they're not, not minis. minis. It's like it, it makes no sense. Just and you know, I I know a lot of people disagree with this, but I th- I think if they brought out the weight classes, I thought it worked so well. Virus. Those guys can all work with virus. Yes. I mean, yes. that's what I would do. Absolutely. Yeah, that was really good. Um, we were talking about the the Friday show where um when Brasso de Oro passed away, mm-hmm. and the main event of that was La Mascara versus Volador Jr. One I didn't see. You I didn't did, watch that. I saw the. Uh, the uh, the presentation they did for Brasso de Oro. Yeah, they, I thought it was a good match. I think I think um, prior to that, Steve had mentioned um, he did the podcast that weekend. Mm-hmm. He said he he thought it was going to be like a a lot better. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wasn't. I mean, Brasso de Oro passed away, so you his knew La Mascara. La Mascara died. Considering and you know, and I'm not a big um, La Mascara fan, yeah. so I I don't think he's at that level where people no, think he's he is. Not. So I thought it was a lot better than I expected it would be. So even with the passing of Brasso well, de Yeah, probably with a heavy heart, he probably put his working shoes yeah. on a little more than usual. Yeah, and I, that made it. Yeah. And, and I thought it was. I thought the crowd reacted properly. With That's nice. Cheering him, and um, he actually at the end got the win. I don't know if that was the direction they were going with. Mm-hmm. But with CML, you never know. I mean, it can't just be. It could have been him just winning either. either well, way. in fact, that's one of the things I like about But I thought it was CML cool that. I, I was glad that Volodurgeon put him over. And it is and nice. Stuff like it that. is nice. But I, I, I don't think, oh, Brasso Zoro died. It, 
Mascaro's going to win. I didn't think that. I thought it's possible he's going to win anyways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, but um, at the end, he went and grabbed the banner from the crowd that said Descansa en Paz, Brazo de Oro, and... and and he took pictures with it and stuff like that. So it was really good. It was it was an emotional show. Um, Niebla Roja is still with Los Guerreros Laguneros. Mm-hmm. We're pretty much predicting this is going to be like the Tarzan boy, Emilio Charles Jr. turn. Remember from a from like two thousand? Oh God! That went That's like yeah, ago. that went like for months <laughs> he, they kept they kept teasing it for several months until finally it turned I think that's probably going to happen mm-hmm. as well uh, Volador Junior Dragon Lee are going to be representing CML in the best of the Super Juniors tournament sweet in New Japan so that Her should be choices. good uh, Dave was really excited about that um, he, he asked us dude. he's like did you guys see that um, Dragon Lee and, Vol- and, and he was like yeah Dragon Lee's going to be in the great amazing block of uh Block of um, the, the the block A or mm-hmm. I can't remember what block is, but he's in there with Ricochet, Will Osprey, and all these guys. Oh wow! So it's going to be a really good um, tournament. Um, it's funny, like Dave. Everybody always talks about oh he's not that interested. Like they start about oh he's only interested in MMA, but it's like even Brian was pointing out that like because I was asking Brian, um, have you guys? Because Brian he only has time to watch a handful of like he'll watch Raw. Yeah, um, SmackDown. so many hours in the yeah, day. Yeah, SmackDown. You know, we all give him grief for it. Like, he, I've even told him, we give you grief for it. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, but he's like, I also watch Nit- rewatch Nitro and Raw. And he's like, the Nitro show was three hours long, and it wasn't good. And I go, I go, well, that's the thing. Like, because we don't, re- we don't, I don't rewatch it. So it's like, I just remember the good part- points. But I go, I know it was bad, because I remember, mm-hmm. like, my dad, that's, my dad would watch it every once in a while. He was like, man, this shit is horrible. Why would you watch this? <laughs> oh, I remember how, how just... As a fanboy in the 90s, yeah. you know, uh, I was so enjoying being a fan of WCW yeah. that when it started, like, plummeting, it was painful to watch. Well, you know, even, like, when it first started, when Nitro first started, I mean, mm-hmm. you would get, like, the one-hour episodes, I I think almost all of them were pretty good. Mm-hmm. But when they added two hours, then you were getting, like, some stuff, like, you would have, like, Ice Train versus Hard Work Bobby Walker. Yes, Or some, right. some shit like that. And I was like, oh, man, who wants to watch this? Or you'd have, like, Hulk Hogan. Glacier. Yeah, Glacier versus... Uh, Versus Ice Train. That's right. Van Hammer's back. <laughs> Hard Body Harrison versus <laughs> versus Van Hammer or Kidman. Well, Kidman was good. So, uh, but you'd have all these other like you'd have sometimes you have like a women's match. Uh, Malaya Hosaka was at the. I thought I saw her. Yeah, she was there. I thought I saw her. She was there just for the the match, but I didn't really see her afterwards. She looked good, but she yeah she 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 looked different without makeup. Yeah, well, and, and <laughs> all women do, but she still looked good. She's, too. Yeah, she still looked good. For yeah, her. yeah. Um, but it was like, so he's saying that, and then I told him, well, why don't you guys split it up so Dave has that? He's like, well, we kind of try to do that, but, um, Dave watches everything anyways. And that, cause I, I oh, well, cause I joked, I joked with Brian, I go, I go, do you watch Impact? And he said, no, I have not watched Impact lately. And I go, so who watches Impact? He's like, he's like, Dave watches it, and, um, Filthy Tom watches it. Ah, that's great. And so I started talking to Filthy Tom Lawler about Impact, and so we start, he just started telling me this, this stuff that he did, um. Where he doesn't watch it sometimes and just like goes off whatever he read on the recap or something. I would do the and same. Try, and that's what I position. was telling him that we've done like um, that when, whenever they ask when uh, we talk about um, AAA, we've thought of doing that sometimes or the underground. Well, like I remember. That. I remember about. We don't, but it's like. Yeah, yeah. I remember about seven eight years ago when TNA was just really god awful. I never watched it years I, ago. I so, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's weird bad. to think it's years ago. Yeah, it's still but, bad. But no, I would. I remember it was, that was when I was doing, you know, going running for like an hour at a time. Yeah, I would put on my headphones and I would just enjoy listening to Brian and Vinny cover the TNA show. Yeah, I wouldn't watch the show, but I was like, I'd be hysterically laughing when I heard their review of it. And yeah, I, I salute them for enduring it. But it was very entertaining to me to hear just what a train wreck it was. Yeah, it was almost as almost as good as when uh, in the early '80s when Norman Dooley, who put out a bulletin called Weasel's World of Wrestling, would go to the Poffos ICW shows. Oh, those shows look so depressing. They were so bad, but I loved reading his reviews because when he said how bad they are, I I'm not exaggerating. You'd be in tears laughing. It's I, I, the one that still sticks out to me uh, says uh, when they're at the at the uh, souvenir table, they had like T-shirts eight by tens, and for five dollars you could get a surprise package. My friend bought a surprise package, and boy was he surprised! <laughs> they had photos of wrestlers that uh, never worked for <laughs> CW, and this is the this is the kicker. And 
a picture of a telephone. <laughs> yes. Yes, and he, it's, he said something like, yes, you read that right. A picture of a telephone. <laughs> so bad wrestling there... It, there's some, you have to have some sacrificial lambs to watch. Yeah, yeah. And I th- but if you have that sacrificial lamb to watch bad wrestling, it's entertaining for the rest of us yes. to read about it. Well, I think that's why Meltzer, like, he's kind of the one that has to do that. Yes. And, you know, I think he's kind of, I think from, 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 from meeting him and talking to him, it kind of seems like he's, it, it's his job, you know. It's basically what he's yes, got to... And, and actually, when he was talking with you about stuff, I realized, wow, he's watching more than I thought he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think he was going to watch the Negro Navarro Zack Saber match on that. Married with two kids, and I know he's a conscientious father, is into his yeah. kids. Brian is the same now, he has a daughter. Um, damn. I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of bad wrestling, are you going to watch Triple A's Verano de Scandalo? Absolutely it's, not. It's going to happen on June 4th. So you'll probably I think I'm up... doing something. <laughs> Do you? Are you? It's think... gonna. It's gonna be in Juarez. Do you think you might want to take a road trip to Juarez and watch? Ah, uh, isn't there like a miniature golf tournament we can go check out instead? <laughs> you know, they they actually have the main event for that show. It's gonna be on a six way um, mass match featuring Doctor Wagner Jr., Psycho Clown, Murder Clown, mm-hmm. Monster Clown, Soul Rocker, and Carta Brava Jr. So a lot of people are already upset now. Really? You see those six names. Do yeah. you really think Dr. Do you think this is really going to affect the Triple Mania main event of Dr. <laughs> no. Wagner Jr. versus Psycho Clown? No. No. But there are people who are worried that this is going to happen. It's like, guys, come on. Yeah. You really think Car- it's obvious Carta Brava Jr. or Soul Rocker are going to be the ones losing their mask. I mean, come on. Oh, absolutely. It's like it's, so people are like uh they, I was I was laughing at that, but that's the big main event for that show um the semi main event is Hijo Fantasma versus Kevin um Kevin Cross. Pimpinella Scarletta, Escarlata versus Mamba. Oh, a singles? In a hair match, bull terrier hair match. I might watch it. It's watch a bull terrier team. match, though. Oh, dear. That's the one where they, they chain up. They get like... pretty kinky with those two. <laughs> it's, not, it's horrible. Like, it's... Yeah, I know it'd be horrible, but... Yeah, the rest of the card, I mean, there's a tag title match. Dark Cuervo, Dark Scoria mm-hmm. versus um, Messias and Pagano. Um, yeah, a bunch of, a couple of... The, the first two matches are, you know... But, I mean, it doesn't seem like this card that it's, like... Triple A, you know, I, you really, like... When I was talking to Dr. Lucia, it's like, it's amazing to see Triple A's roster now and compare it to two, three years ago when they had yes. one of the... Like, they were really starting to pick up steam and be, like, the number one promotion in Mexico and one of the top three or four promotions in, in mm-hmm. the world. And now it's like, uh, I think they're just... They're, they're, built, they're living off the Triple A name but the roster is just nothing compared to the. Yeah, seems like the bones of AAA. Yeah. Just yeah, the meat is gone. Yeah, it's. It, I look forward to hearing about the impact debut of Pobo de Estrellas. <laughs> really? No, I'm joking. I, I thought I thought you were serious. It wouldn't shock me. No, I'd actually watch that just to see. You'd what be happens. like, yes, I would watch that. <laughs> I, okay, I, I will go on record. If Pobo de Estrellas gets. A, makes an appearance on an Impact taping, I will watch that episode of Impact. I will too. Just I, because it'd be so hilarious. I make a vow and I'll try to see it as it airs. You know, it's funny, like, everybody shits on Povo de Estrellas because he's like a, you know, the chubby, golden-looking yeah. guy. But, you know, it's amusing. To me, it's amusing. It's yeah. like a comedy-looking thing. Like, it's entertaining. Yeah. It's entertaining. I don't want to see his matches, but it's like, it's it always amuses me. It always cracks me up because it, it's like, here's Mexican and gold dust. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's all we have for this week. Okay, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening once again. It was fun going over our cauliflower week, and hope you will be listening to Lucha Classica. And until then, ladies and gentlemen, Hare Krishna.